to We Make Books, a podcast about publishing and writing <laughs> and sometimes going backward and revising. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. I'm Rekha. I write science fiction and fantasy as RJ Theodore. And I'm Acquisitions Editor. I, Kaylin Constantine at Harvest Press. How dare you? <laughs> it's the heat. It's, it's the heat of the core. We have to turn off the AC to record these folks. So I mean, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, hi everyone. No, we um today we actually have uh, an I think an interesting episode. Um, mm-hmm. We are going based off a Twitter question we got from one of our listeners, Ashley Graham, about. Uh, themes and character arcs and how to manage them and make them good in your story. Yes. Um, and by good, we mean strong or tight or pervasive, pervasive. efficient. <laughs> um, what are some other words we use to describe them here? Lots of, lots of very positive adjectives mm-hmm. yeah. to be sure. You want your character arcs tight and your themes pervasive. Yep. That's <laughs> that's kind of what we, we left with here. Anyway, yeah. we had a lot of fun talking about this because it's um it's something that I really enjoy working with authors on. Yeah, when Caitlin gets a novel manuscript, this is what she dives in and, and gets to. This is, yeah, and, and this is this is at the very developmental level. And, you know, I think anybody who's a writer that's listening to this and has submitted and gotten rejections has probably at some point gotten a note to work on their themes or character arcs, which mm-hmm. is just so helpful and specific. Um, That's why they call them form rejections. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, we spend a lot of time in this kind of talking about, first of all, what are these themes and character arcs and how do you work on them? Uh, a lot of fun examples in movies and shows. And, um, you know, I, like I said, I, this is my, one of my favorite things about editing is, uh, working on these parts of the book. See, Kaylin thought that she could ask me to uh, restrain her, but the fact is I also love these, so we, <laughs> we did go on a little bit. But, I mean, yeah. I think we've had longer episodes. We're fine. Definitely. Yeah. We were we were like kids in a candy shop for this, to be sure. So, um, anyway, so take a listen. Uh, we hope this is helpful if this is something you've been uh, struggling with in your writing process, and uh, we'll see you on the other side of the music. That's upsetting. Anyway, um, so if my elbow hits something, is that a character arc or is that a theme? I think that's a theme. Or it might be a story element. (laughs) It could be a plot line. Is the elbow a character? Is the elbow haunted? I mean, I assume so. It's mine, yes. Right. So, so yeah, anyway, today um, we're talking about uh, something that one of our listeners, Ashley Graham, sent us a question about. Um, I don't know. Do we want to read the, the question? Uh, I'm going to summarize it. Um, basically, Ashley was working on a short fiction piece and was suggested to by an editor that the theme and character arc could use some clarification. So um, what the heck does that mean? Like, that's feedback that people will see. That's a that's very common feedback actually. That's uh probably I think a lot of people listening to this have who submitted something either to an author or excuse me to an agent or an editor probably got feedback that may have specifically said character arc and theme. Yeah. Um 
And I think this one is, um, might've been for a, uh, like a publication. So a uh, short fiction market, and you're going to get that kind of stuff a lot because their second tier response is going to be like, your story almost made it. You could have tightened this up, you know? Yeah. And also, especially with short fiction, you're going to see that more because you have to do a lot in a short amount of time. Now, that yeah. is not by any stretch of the imagination to indicate that you won't see this with uh, long form fiction, because right. believe me, you will. I've said it multiple times myself. It might be easier um, to go astray with a long novel. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very true. Um, so why is it these two things a lot that you hear because they're a little, especially in the case of themes, they're a little nebulous and not as easy to pick pin down. A plot is, I think a lot of times easier because it's the story. When you sit down to write an outline, what you're outlining is usually the plot. It's concrete. Uh, it's easy to point at and go, that is part of the plot. That is a thing that happens and it happens in an order. And yes. if that order goes awry, then it's not a plot anymore. That's exactly what I was going to say was that um, when you're outlining something and it's the plot, it's an order of actions happening in sequence or maybe out of sequence, depending on how you're writing. But in how they're going to be presented in the in the final book or short story or what have you. Um, so before we get started, let's let's kind of define some things here. So a plot, obviously, we know what a plot is. That is not a character arc. It is not a theme. A plot is the uh, elements of the story that take place and happen to the characters. Uh, that is a very broad definition, obviously, but plots are sequences of actions and things that happen. Yeah. And I've even heard it defined as like a sequence of actions, reactions, and complicating factors. Yes. That's, that's a, that's a really good way to, to describe it. Um, themes and character arcs. And it's funny because I think character arcs and plots get confused together and then themes and morals get confused together. A theme is not a moral. A moral is if we're talking strictly in terms of uh, terms in literature, a moral is a lesson that is learned. A moral is, um, you know, the kid sticks his hand in the cookie jar when he's not supposed to, it gets stuck. He breaks the cookie jar and has cuts on his hand and his mom finds out he was doing all of this anyway. And so what has he learned? He has learned to listen to his mother because maybe it's not just that she doesn't want him to eat cookies when he shouldn't. Maybe it's that he could get hurt. That is a moral. That is um, actions and the plot leading up to a character changing themselves because they learned something. That is not a theme. So now that we have... <laughs> is it a character what, arc, though? It certainly could be. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that's why, you know, I'm saying plots and character arcs and themes and morals can get, can get confused. But so now that we've kind of... Uh, established what we're not talking about. Let's, let's talk about what we are talking about. And um, let's start with themes, because that one is a little more nebulous, I think. Um, a theme in a story is, at its basis level, an underlying message. It's a big idea. Mm -hmm. It is, it is conceptual. It's things that do not physically tangibly exist in the world. If you are saying, yes, the theme is this, 
And a lot of times, if it's something you can actually touch, that's probably not actually a theme. So um, my theme is not coffee. Your theme might be coffee, Rick. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, you're, you're speaking in universals here, but I just don't feel like I can relate to what you're saying. <laughs> your, your, your theme might be coffee. <laughs> um, now, somebody might, you might come in and say, well, what about the ocean? What if the theme of the story is the ocean? Well, my answer to that is that the theme of the story is probably not the ocean. The theme of the story might be travel or uh, nature, man versus nature or the horror of the unknown. And the ocean just happens to embody that. Yeah. So, um, again, these are big ideas. These are things that you cannot touch, feel, or hold. So things like love, death, good versus evil, uh, you know, a lot of coming of age stories, stories of like rebellion and overthrowing, uh, corrupt, systems of government, mm -hmm. survival, you know, these are themes. Um, and those are big themes. You can have smaller ones like, um, you know, family, uh, finding things that are lost, like appreciating what you had all along kind of thing. Exactly. Yes. Realizing that home was really, you know, where you wanted to be this whole time. Yeah. Um, Adventure was the friends you made along the way. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> The other thing that I always kind of tell people when trying to identify themes in their story and bring them forward a little more is what do you want the reader to walk away thinking, feeling, or knowing? Um, if the theme of your story is, you know, the adventure was the friends you made along the way, then you want the reader to go, you know what? I really need to go spend some more time with my friends and do something fun with them. Mm -hmm. Or I need to go out and make some new friends. Or I'm going to go have an adventure and see if I make any new friends. Yeah. Um, you're, you know, if the theme is something like death and loss, maybe you want the reader to leave feeling really sad and depressed and hopeless, staring into the void of existence. You monster. Hey, I mean, we've all read a book like that. Yes. In high um, school, they were required reading. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another way to phrase this or to think about it is to like take, you know, say like your example of the ocean and say, okay, but like that's still a noun. If you were to remove the noun, what's left, you know, like what's, what's underneath that? If, if the setting and the characters are the carpet and you pull up the carpet, what's underneath it? Um, what is the most fundamental base human relatable thing that you're communicating with this story. And that's what makes themes so difficult to manage and to bring forward in stories is that they are intangible. You can't, you know, there, there's a, a frequently said thing in that editors use, which is show me, don't tell me. Right. And that we should have an episode on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that is themes. And, you know, you can't, put a sentence in there saying, and the theme is love. No, you need, it's something that has to be woven through your story for the reader to pick up on their own. You shouldn't have to tell the reader what the theme of the story is. So now before we go too far down that line, uh, let's kind of talk about character arcs and what is a character arc. So 
they're definitely a little more tangible, (laughs) if you will, than themes. You can sit down and I encourage people to sit down and write out a character arc. Uh, Rekka, you've done this a few times. A few, yes, just a couple. Just a few. Yeah. Um, But a character arc is partially, mostly, a lot of times, an inner journey. Um, it's a, a transformation. transformation. Oh, there we go. Yes. <laughs> it's a transformation of the character over the course of the story. We're seeing them start out a certain way. The plot affects them, and they have to change and adapt accordingly. And some definitions of this will say it must be a permanent change. I don't buy into that because I don't think that everything needs to be, a, you know, a fundamental personality shift. And sometimes you just really want to write a really long series and that character is going to have to learn that lesson more than once. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, nobody said these characters have to be smart. (laughs) Yeah, they they don't have to to grow ever upward. Yeah, no, character arc is something, you know, theme has been what it is theme for a long time. Character arc is something that I think the standards and definitions of it have shifted a little bit over time. Um, In fiction, especially, you know, if you go back to you know, when literature was first being really defined and written about and um, studied, uh, you'll find a lot of stuff that says, well, a character arc must have these elements. The character must start here. They must um, encounter or create a problem for themselves. They must come up with a way to overcome that problem or get the thing that they need. Uh, They must suffer a setback. They must recover from the setback. They must resolve the storyline. And usually in a three act, there's a second setback that's like extra bad. Yeah. Yes. I don't agree with this. Um, I think that there's no such thing as a formulaic character arc. Um, And for one, that's a very Western, you know, oriented, um, Western centric character arc. You're going to travel outside of Western stories. You're going to see different character arcs. I would make the argument that character arcs are a very Western thing that can be applied to a lot of stories because the nature of stories has character arcs. But, um, well, I would argue that the the nature of Western civilization is colonialism, and that sure is going in and applying your rules to other people's stuff. So. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, burn down character arcs. Got it. Yeah. No, no. And look... <laughs> You know, what makes stories interesting is seeing the people in them grow and change. Um, The degree to which that happens varies wildly across all genres and all cultures. And how, you know, I've had literature professors that said, if your character is not X amount different by the end of the story, then that's not a successful character arc. And I think that's bullshit. Um, Because character arcs, which are obviously very tied to character development, do not necessarily need to be a fundamental shift in personality. So why don't we start talking a little bit in examples? Um, We named one off the air uh, before we started recording, which was basically any character that Harrison Ford plays. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, do any of those characters fundamentally change across the time spent on screen? Well, let's uh, let's 
scale that down a bit to characters Harrison Ford plays that have appear in multiple movies. Franchise Harrison Ford characters. Okay, so we're talking uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, Han Solo. Han Solo. And then Jack Ryan. Okay. Well, I don't know anything about Jack Ryan, so I'm not going to be able to help there. Basically, um, he's a... Once again, we're talking about uber-competent, you know, male action heroes, basically. I am going to focus primarily on Indiana Jones and Han Solo because that's an interesting dichotomy. One of them has a character arc. The other absolutely does not. Spoiler alert, Indiana Jones does not really have much of a character arc. Um, as we said, his character arc is he needs a thing. He, he has a competitor for the thing. The competitor gives him a setback. He overcomes, approaches again, has a bigger setback, and then he gets the thing. It's not a personal growth. It is his striding toward a goal. Yes, but that is his plot. That is also the movie plot. But I'm just saying, That's... like, is it a flattening of the character arc with the plot when the character doesn't change very much? It is, because... Indiana Jones does not change over the course of the story. He ends and begins every movie with it belongs in a museum. (laughs) (laughs) Fortune and glory, kid. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's Indiana Jones's. It's, it belongs in a museum or I don't want the Nazis to have this. That is everything motivating Indiana Jones throughout Mm -hmm. all of his movies. Uh, Han Solo, on the other hand, does have a character arc. Han Solo starts out as a smuggler and a guy who, according to his prequel, was running drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he eventually becomes, you know, somebody who, instead of just living this sort of like pirate smuggler out lifestyle, yeah, out for himself, has friends and family that he grows to care about. And maybe he's not as gung-ho freedom fighter as they are Mm -hmm. but he certainly takes their values and their goals into account and wants to help them and be successful in them um then he walks into a lightsaber but well you know that's (laughs) uh but it is a different you know it's another kind of downswing on the character arc is that we see that han solo at the end of the day is still Han Solo Mm -hmm. because what happens? He goes back to smuggling pirate Mm -hmm. loner lifestyle with Chewbacca. We pick up with him again. And yet he's different, but of course he is. He's older. So there again, successful Mm -hmm. character arc. But what he's showing us is that at the end of the day, this is what he does and this is what he knows. And this is what he's good at. Well, but (laughs) the question is, is he good at it or is he Chewbacca's sidekick? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, how good he is is a different one. Yeah. So, um, but, okay, so... Actually, wait, real quick, because sidebar, if you think about it, everything we've seen of Han Solo, he's not actually a very good smuggler. No, he's terrible. <laughs> so the the question is, like, does your character start from a default? And what we're saying here is Han Solo, his default is smuggler, loner, just trying to make the next paycheck and keep himself out of trouble. Scruffy face nerf her. Whenever, whenever he is thrown into the mix with people who are potential friends, they mess up his default and pull him away from that. But send some send a obstacle into his path, like a son, <laughs> and he reverts back to his default when he doesn't know how to cope. Yeah, exactly. So 
Han Solo is actually, and I think primarily accidentally, a very successful and good example of a character arc. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones, it belongs in a museum or stopped the Nazis. intentionally left out of the character arc. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's, but this is the thing. That's not what those stories are about. Right. That's to the point of this question is like, when you are told to tighten up a character arc or a theme, you do need to know what kind of story you're telling before you decide how deep into character arcs and themes you need to dive. I mean, you might get this feedback from one person and they might be off the mark for what you were trying to do with your story, mm-hmm. which can also tell you maybe you need to extract a little of that character arc and not make it feel like it's so much about developing a character if you are just telling a you know, whip-cracking, gun-toting archaeologist tale. Don't do that. Archaeologists don't appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's... uh, Another episode. (laughs) In case anyone was confused at home, um, that's not what archaeology is actually like, sadly. Um, Anyway, so now that we've talked about what character arcs and themes are, why are these two things that people are frequently told to tighten up and frequently told to tighten them together. We've already said that character arcs are closer to plots, themes are closer to morals, but they're not the same thing. So how do character arcs and themes overlap? Themes motivate and drive characters. This feeds both the plot and the character arc. The plot, obviously, because based on the theme and therefore the character's motivation, the character will be making decisions that affect both the plot and their character arc. Mm -hmm. That's where things start to get a little tricky. Those two are very closely intertwined because obviously the plot in a lot of cases is dependent upon what the character is doing. Their choices and decisions dictate what happens next in the story. So then drill down for that, what is influencing their decision-making, their motivation, and where is the motivation coming from? And that's where you start to get to the themes of the story. So if, you know, one of the themes of your story is survival, and um, let's think of, like, okay. Um, Alien. The ha- I, okay, that's a that's more fun example. I was going to say The Hatchet. Remember that book we all had to read? Yeah, in no, we're not school? doing that. We're doing Alien. Um, okay. <laughs> we're mostly doing because Alien. there was a point you, you made earlier about... Um, character and and we use Harrison Ford's various characters as the example but I love the example of um specifically in terms of survival and specifically in terms of the character of Ripley Ripley doesn't really change throughout the movie what she does is survive because she's got she has the skill set which is like the ability to think things through logically in the first place to say like, okay, we need to not be doing this. And that basically the theme of, of alien, correct me if I'm wrong, is we should have listened to Ripley. I mean, yeah, (laughs) probably. Um, But beyond just the theme of alien, granted, then this, this goes into farther, you know, expansions in the alien franchise, but let's stick with alien for one, uh, because the the other movies in the franchise are different kinds, different genres, basically. So sticking with the space truckers, uh, monster horror survival. Yeah. Alien is a horror movie in space. Mm -hmm. It, that that's all it is. It was groundbreaking genre defining, but it is a horror movie in space. So the themes of the movie is, like I said, survival, you know, this, there's also, I would say, a theme of frustration. 
Mm-hmm. The um, capitalist bureaucracy. Well, yeah. that's and that's what I was getting into, okay. you know. So then, then we're introducing a conflict element there that is beyond simply there's a thing laying eggs in people's chests. Right. That thing laying <laughs> eggs in people's chests wouldn't be there if it weren't for the company. Yes, exactly. So then, if you want to take all of that and say, well, okay, so how does this affect Ripley's character arc? Ripley is changed at the end of the story. Not necessarily physically or uh, personality-wise, but emotionally, she is very affected, and she is going to then. Um, there's a. Do you have you ever heard about how Alien was supposed to end? One of the alternate endings they shot. Uh, the alien gets Ripley essentially, and then when uh, whoever is calling in over the ship, the alien gets the intercom and answers back in her voice, requesting coordinates to come back to Earth. Gotcha. Um, so they, you know, it was it was a very bleak ending, obviously. Mm-hmm. But a lot uh, of monster movies do this. They leave off with you not feeling safe. Yes. And so that is another theme. Mm-hmm. What do you want to lead your, leave your readers with? And in this case, the movie pivoted a little bit and said, well, we want to give the audience a sense of closure. And that all of this, this theme of survival, she did survive. So rather yeah. than going with a theme of feeling unsafe, which was another theme running through that entire movie, paranoia, uncertainty, um, anybody, <laughs> claustrophobia, anybody could become your enemy at any moment. Body horror. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of leaving off with that theme, they decided to be a little kinder and pivot a little bit to say, hey, determination, intelligence, stick-to-itiveness, and survival will make you victorious, which is another set of themes. So then back to how does this tie in with the character arc is Ripley is a changed person at the end of this. She has, boy, has she seen some shit, and now she knows that this corporation is up to no good. Yeah, She is no longer just in it for the money you know, this is, you know, they say this, it's very good. It's a long, awful journey, but it's very good money. It's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not worth it anymore. Yeah. There's absolutely some anti-capitalist undertones in there. Mm-hmm. Ripley comes out of this, even though personality wise, she hasn't changed. The The movie takes place over a relatively short period of time. Yeah. Um, but Ripley's definitely got some different thoughts and motivations now mm-hmm. at the end of this. So even though she hasn't undergone a radical inner transformation, she certainly thinks different things now than she did before. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, that's a great example of some really cool themes and how they affect. And it's interesting because you could take it a step further and say how they affect the character arc rather than the plot. Right. Because... In this case, a lot of Ripley's decisions are reactionary. Mm-hmm. Things are happening and she's trying to adapt and recalibrate very in only I, I'm only thinking of two instances in the home, really one and a half off the top of my head in which she goes on the offensive, so to speak. Right. Well, that's so, also sort of a plot thing is that yes. your character is reacting to things up until a certain point, And then it's at the time when they decide to say, no, I will take care of this myself. That's when you're entering that last act. Yes. But then by the time we get to the, I'll take care of this myself for the plot and the character arc, we all go back to the themes yeah. of, Ripley kind of coming to a new understanding of how stuff is actually mm-hmm. 
happening around her rather than letting it happen to her. So yeah. Anyway, I think that's, that's a, that's a good example. Cool. So, so now that we've talked about what they are, given you some examples, figured out how to unintertwine the character arc and theme, how do you tighten them up? And since the example given was like a short story for a publication, let's assume we're doing this in under 7,000 words. How do you tighten up character arc and theme? And you've also presumably got a plot in there in a very efficient way. All of these kind of work together. You know, it's, I think that anything you're going to do to a short story, you can apply to a longer form uh, fiction and vice versa. So me personally with, and Rekka has been on the receiving end of this a couple times when, when working with authors, let's start with themes. Um, I mentioned before, one of the first things I ask the author is what do you want the audience to know, think, or feel that they didn't at the beginning of the book? And when I say no, I don't mean, you know, you're, you know, them. Yeah, you're not putting like a graph chart in there and saying, and then the price of gold went up to that. You're not, I'm not talking about facts. I'm talking about what do you want them to know about these nebulous concepts in the way you want them to know it? So identifying those things really will help you kind of figure out where your themes are. The other thing I always say, and this is where it starts to tie into the character arc is look at the character arcs and the plot and the motivation. What are the characters doing and why are they doing it? What is driving them to do this? Because that's where you're going to find a lot of your themes. And then if theme is very important to you, if you really want to hammer a message home, making sure that your characters act and are motivated by that theme consistently, and this isn't to say that it can't evolve. It absolutely can. But making sure that they are consistent correctly motivated based on what the theme is, is a really good way to help tighten that up. Then that helps to feed into their character arc because you have a character then acting, reacting, and making decisions based on how what is important to them and how the story is building. And I think at this point, if you're feeling like, I can't make this character make this decision, then that tells you that you are not succeeding at either theme or character arc yes or not in a way that supports what you set out to do with the plot yeah and listen i want to be clear about something that every story does not need to be a magnum opus of subtle um well themes subtle themes and ideas woven through this that you know is going to be studied in you know college 101 classes for decades to come but you do need a theme for your story. You need there to be something that is important in all of this. Otherwise, it is a bland series of actions happening one after the other. And if you don't feel that it is a bland series, or your beta readers don't feel that it is a bland series of actions one after another, that means there's a theme in there. So if you're having trouble identifying it, that doesn't mean immediately that you don't have one. I will, um, I'll use an example of uh, Mike Underwood when I was working on Annihilation Aria with him. You know, so we, we'd had a few calls. I'd read the manuscript multiple times and, I, and Mike had actually said, you know, like, well, the themes of the story are very important to him. 
So I went through the manuscript and I do this with most uh, books that I edit and I kind of write out an, a plot outline based on what I'm reading, what I see happening in the book. Um, part of this is one that it's just easier for me to, you know, keep track of things. But then also because if I show it to the author and I say, okay, this is how I'm reading this and they're going, no, no, that's not it at all. It's like, okay, well now we need to have a conversation. Um, but one of the things that I like to do through that is mark off in my notes of this outline where I'm identifying and seeing certain themes. And then we have a conversation about that. And if we're seeing a real imbalance of them, or I'm only seeing them come through in certain parts of the, the story, or if I'm having a real hard time nailing them down, and saying, you know, I feel like I've got 10 themes in this story. Mm -hmm. Which one's the most important to you? And I think that's a really good exercise is, you know, I, most authors out there, I'm guessing if you're pretty far into your uh, work in progress at this point, you probably already have an outline. So go through it and try to pick out sections where you think certain themes are coming through. And I actually color code them and then I can look through and see like, oh, there's a lot of red and not so much blue. Mm -hmm. If you're a pantser and you write without an outline, this is something you do probably in your revision processes, write down a summary of each scene and that becomes an outline just because you're doing yep. it after the fact doesn't make it less of an outline and then do the same practice with that. Exactly. Um, it's, I want to, it's not easy to do, you know, this isn't. There, there's a reason that, you know, anybody who's taking any sort of an English literature class will say there's a reason you spend a lot of time working on and learning about themes is because they're intangible. They're nebulous. You can't, you know, there isn't a point at which in the story, the character breaks the fourth wall and says, hey, just so you know, we're introducing a new theme here. It's compassion. <laughs> but at the, the same time, um, you know, you study examples in order to identify the universalities and that's what themes are. So yes. like if you learn how to work your theme around compassion, you can write 20 novels that are completely different that are all about compassion and you get really good at it, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's why romance writers are really good at what they're doing. They already, by choosing their genre, they know what the theme is and, you know, they, um, they stick to it and by the end that like you know capital r romance writers are really really efficient at getting stories written because they've already done this work and mm -hmm. and every time you do this with the theme it answers questions about the plot you know yeah what needs to happen here i'm lost well okay well what's your theme well then what needs to happen here oh well this I'm like yeah, you answered your own question yep yeah so and just to then talk a little bit so with character arc, tightening that up and defining it a little better. Again, outlines here help. Um, and it doesn't need to be anything too detailed. It just needs to be this, then this, then this, then this. And then throw some lines in there explaining what led to or motivated the character to get to that point. Um, character arcs, it's, it's funny because in some ways they are far more concrete than themes. You can actually sit down and outline a character arc. Um, but I think it is harder sometimes to say, is this a character arc? 
the most important thing in a character arc is the character has to be different at the end than when they started. It can be something like uh, Ripley in Alien where, you know, she hasn't undergone a major personality shift, but she has changed the way she thinks and will act differently now because of that. Um, as opposed to someone like Luke Skywalker, who has, you know, the farm boy to legendary hero mm -hmm. character arc, but it's, you know, Luke goes on this whole journey and at the end of it, he is a very, very, very different person than when he started because of all of the things that happened to him, all of the experiences, the adversity, the finding out his father's Darth Vader. I mean, God, that alone, you know. <laughs> well, plus, um, he literally can't go back to the life he had before. Yeah, exactly. And you know, that's, that's a good, that's actually a very good marker of a successful character arc is, can they go back to how things were before? And if the answer is yes, your character has probably not had enough of a character arc for it to be considered a character arc. Or it's Indiana Jones. Or it's Indiana Jones, because Indiana Jones always just goes back to how things were before. Indiana Jones has proof that God exists. And, <laughs> and goes back to university and, and keeps teaching and the Neolithic era. <laughs> and just kept living his life. Mm -hmm. like, Indiana Jones has multiple instances of literal proof that not only does the Judeo-Christian God exist, but also Hindu deities mm -hmm. and various other things aliens all of this stuff and just continues on like it's nothing um i don't know what that says about him if we should be impressed or horrified i think <laughs> we're supposed to be impressed like the idea being that the first time we see it happen is not the first time it happens for him i want to be very clear about something in the timeline of indiana jones so because we all know, like, the... Are we counting the River Phoenix and the young Indiana Jones? Oh, no, but we're counting the beginning of Last Crusade, to be okay. sure. All right. Um, all right, so we've got Last Crusade. We've got that awesome, you know, train scene, whatever. Mm -hmm. All right, chronologically, then, Temple of Doom actually happens first. Right. So we have the intro to Last Crusade. We have Temple of Doom. And Temple of Doom, we established that... Hindu deities are clearly a real thing and a serious force to be reckoned with. Even if you want to say, well, maybe it wasn't the Hindu deities, it was magic. Okay, fine. It was still magic. Yeah. It was still, you know, what have you. All right. So then we go to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. At the end of that, we have established that the Judeo-Christian God is a real thing that exists and does not like Nazis. And you should not open the box. Yeah. Then we go to the Last Crusade. And in case anybody was a little like, meh, I'm not sure that could have been who knows what, just because they said it was the Ark of the Covenant mm -hmm. doesn't mean that's what it really was. Well, now we've got the Holy Grail. Yeah. The literal, actual Holy Grail <laughs> that has kept a Crusade-era knight alive. And then if we're still going to take this a step further heals his dying father's mortal wounds. Yep. Okay, so we have now established that multiple deities actually really exist, mm -hmm. and this guy just freaking goes back to teach in college. Like, this hasn't rocked his entire world. Teachers have a limited amount of vacation time. <laughs> what is he going to do? Doesn't he get summers off? I just assumed I, that was when I all of these things I don't think he has tenure happening. yet. Once he has well, tenure, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, 
So anyway, whole point is Indiana Jones, not a great character arc. Can he go back to the way things were? Yes, he does. (laughs) Over and over again. He resets (laughs) the default. Yes. Getting back, and we, I apologize, we got sidetracked there again. So how do you actually it's tighten fine. these up? It's, it's fine. It's just we get so loud. We get excited. Um, so how do you actually go about tightening these up when somebody gives you the incredible helpful note of tighten up your themes and character arcs? Mm-hmm. So helpful. What do you do? Well, so for themes, you know, I think a good technique is sort of what I mentioned. You know, go back either through your outline or through your manuscript revisions and identify motivations and actions and what the what themes stem from those and color code them maybe like you said maybe color code them Mm -hmm. take a step back so to speak take the thousand foot view and say is the story driven by these or are they happening because the story is the thing that's driving here if it's the second one you do not have tight themes the themes should be the ones driving the story and motivating the characters and influencing the plot. And by driving the story, we don't mean stop at the end of every two paragraphs and reiterate what your theme is. Yes. So how do you tighten this up? Identify things that are happening, be they actions of characters or elements of the plot, maybe external forces of nature, depending on what your themes are, and go in and emphasize those a little bit. Make it so that, you know, yes, you can't have a character turn to the audience, wink and say, I'm doing this for love. But you certainly can have an inner dialogue where they are acknowledging and identifying that what is motivating them is their love for their dog Mm -hmm. or I guess their significant other, whatever. Mostly (laughs) the dog. Yeah, probably the dog. This goes into the show me, don't tell me. Mm hmm. See the characters react based on things that are important to them. And that brings forward your themes. I don't like the phrase tighten up your themes. I like the phrase strengthen your themes. Yeah. Re-emphasize your themes, showcase your themes. Mm -hmm. With themes, you're not contracting them. You're trying to disperse them a little bit more through the story. You are showing and not telling. Yeah. Theme is like a bullion cube. (laughs) You know, like it starts very small, but it goes throughout your entire project. And then there's no getting it out again. (laughs) It's in there. Character arcs, on the other hand, are absolutely something that can be tightened and focused. Um, So how do you do this? Well, first look at your themes. How, How are they affecting the story? How are they affecting the character's decision? Then look at what the characters are doing is it primarily reactionary? Are they just letting things happen to them? Or are, do they have agency? Mm-hmm. Are they making decisions themselves? And it's okay if, especially for the first part of the book, they're just reacting. I mean, a lot of you know stories start out with a character just trying to get their feet under them from you know to recover and reorient themselves from something happening. Although if, I want to say that that does not mean they shouldn't have some sort of agency. Yes, there needs to be decision-making in there. Yeah, um, they maybe they want something that they're going to end up not wanting at the end. Well, it can come down simply to something like they're, they're running away from, you know, the alien monster that was, you know, grew from what was living in the back of their fridge. And do I run upstairs and lock myself in the bedroom or do I run out the front door? Mm-hmm. Yes, they're running, but they're making a decision of how 
they're going to best try to escape this. And they can make so, the wrong decisions too. I mean, that's kind of yes. part of the character arc. <laughs> and that is, that is part of the character arc. So tightening these up has to do with having the character come up against a conflict or an obstacle or a decision and then learning and growing and changing from it. So again, identifying the parts at which your character is coming up against conflict in some some way. And conflict here not meaning physical or argumentative. Sometimes the conflict can simply be, uh, it's low tide, I need to catch fish, and I can't catch fish when it's low tide. Right. It can be like a force of nature. Um, and then identifying how they're reacting. Then the next time it's low tide, have they instead gone, ah, yes, well, I should catch extra fish because on this planet, low tide lasts for three days and therefore I'm not going to be able to fish again for three days. Um, that's growing and learning and making new mistakes. <laughs> By staying on this planet where the low tide lasts for three days. <laughs> yeah. It, Can you imagine very... the smell? There's a it's, it's a very uh, weird moon pattern mm-hmm. on on this planet. It's pitch black, yeah. but low tide. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so somehow it's really weird because there is no moon. Actually, no <laughs> one really knows where the tides are coming. So. Um, but so identifying the areas of conflict for your character where they're coming up against adversity, and then seeing how they're making decisions. You know, if they're just not reacting if they're just not doing anything over and over again that's not character development that's not a character arc Mm -hmm. um having them grow and change and learn you know maybe thinking okay i'm safe now i've locked myself in this room my room from the alien creature from the back of the fridge can't get me oh hang on a second it learned how to open doors yeah you know that's what do I do now? Okay, I've got a chair I can push up against the door. And then finally getting to the point of going, you know what? I should have just run outside. I need to get out of this house. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, identifying areas where your character is coming up into conflict, figuring out how they're reacting, and making sure that they're learning and changing and not reacting the same as every way. Um, this is not a real thing. I kind of wish it was, but you know, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Mm -hmm. Obviously that's not correct, right? but it is important with character arcs and character development. Having your character do the same thing over and over again is not character arc. Although there's that, um, that stubbornness to that or that unwillingness to grow that can be the character arc. And suddenly they realize doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is not getting me where I want to go. And the thing they learn is not to do that anymore. I'm now being eaten by the thing that lived in the back of the fridge. Yeah. I regret my life choices. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the morality lesson of the the moral of the tale is clean out your fridge. Clean out your fridge, people. (laughs) And not just in August. (laughs) Is that a thing that you do in August? No, I'm saying, you know, it's, it's, just about coming up on August as we record this. Oh, okay. Don't make Good. it an annual event. Make it a... You know, yeah, you know what's funny is actually with all of the quarantining and stuff, I have been so much better about <laughs> cleaning the fridge out mm-hmm. because I'm like, I'm just here all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, 
Huh. Well, when you go into an office, you procrastinate by, like, going to the lounge and and making a cup of coffee or getting a drink or uh, going to talk to somebody about something. But when you're home, how do you procrastinate? Like, the only thing you can do is clean. It's kind of like I'm I'm looking at this and going, huh, that might start talking to me soon. I should probably do something about that. (laughs) But if you've been going into an office, you would have said, huh, that thing is talking. I should probably do something about that. (laughs) I'm going to go back to my office. Yeah. We should be the only one there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, so Ashley, uh, that was a very long winded way of answering your questions. And I hope we answered it. (laughs) We we hope that was helpful and not just a series of me rambling. At least we talked about uh, interesting movies and people can relate to at least Ripley. Yes. Especially right now. I think we can all relate to Ripley on uh, on some level. Um, One of my favorite behind the scenes thing with aliens did you ever see the like you know like the cut scenes from there there was a part it was it was so ridiculous it would have ruined the movie Mm. so the the actor that played the alien was like six eight or something and they just put him in this giant rubber suit and i can't remember what part of the movie it would have been in but it was like one of those you know where the characters backing slowly with their gun into a room and they hear something behind them and Mm -hmm. they turn around and the aliens there and there's footage out there look this up of the alien crab walking up to them so i'm just just imagine this giant six eight man in this heavy absurd rubber suit crab walking on all fours up to this actor Mm -hmm. it i understand what they were trying to do and the sound effects were certainly creepy but it just ruined the whole like it was too ridiculous looking and thankfully thankfully they saw that and cut it i I think that has a lot to do with the the human joints versus where the joints were supposed to be in this in this alien yeah well that's like in the exorcist with reagan walking Mm-hmm. backwards down the stairs part of what's so creepy about that is how unnatural it looks yeah. like you've got like joints going in directions that maybe humans can do that but they probably shouldn't right yeah exactly <laughs> so theme <laughs> stay limber yeah. <laughs> so anyway um so yeah actually we we hope we answered that for you and uh, keep us posted let us know how you know things go with the with the story and if you want to keep us posted on anything else, <laughs> you can find us online. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at WMBcast. We are at patreon.com forward slash WMBcast, where we have some awesome patrons who are supporting the show. And if you feel like we have been helpful, uh, you can throw us some uh, bus fare and stuff there for when you know we're allowed to go see each other again and, and get back together for our podcast episode recordings. I was going to say, I'm not. Like, uh, I don't think we're allowed on buses anytime no, soon. No, definitely <laughs> not. Um, and if you don't have cash to spare to support the show, you can also help us out a lot by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, we're everywhere. Stitcher, you know, Spotify, all that good stuff. But if you want to leave a review, it's most helpful to leave it there. You can also, you know, shoot us an email, info at WMBcast, and we can answer a question if you have one. If you want to keep it anonymous, that's the way to do it. Otherwise, post it to Twitter like Ashley did, and uh, we'll answer it in a future episode. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll try our best, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thanks everyone so much, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Take care, everyone. Bye.